experiments are over. CDHF is back, and so is football. It's a football overloaded show, so instead of previewing a bunch now, I'll just get right into it. Season 2 of Cam Derby has the floor is a go. Cam Derby has been watching and listening to sports his entire life. Now, it's time for Cam to say what he thinks. For the next 45 minutes, Cam Derby is coming to you live, well, technically pre-recorded and edited from his bedroom studio in Eugene, Oregon. Cam Derby now has the floor. Cam, take it away. Alrighty then, what do we know about season two? The experimentations are over. Season one was fun, learning how to do all this stuff, but season two is going to be so much better. I'm back, I'm Cam Derby, I have the floor. How is everybody doing? I'm so thankful for everybody that's listening. Some big news with the podcast, it will be available on Spotify and YouTube now. Of course, you can still get to it on SoundCloud and CamDerby.com, but... Spotify going to be the main hosting site for it now. It's really exciting for me, something that's really important to me. What have I been doing? I've been interning at Newswatch 12, uh, KDRV, the ABC station down in Medford, Oregon, doing some fun things over there. Everybody has been super welcoming. And uh, I got to say, football is back, and there is nothing better than football season. It's like Christmas to me. It's the most amazing time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year, if you will, in Christmas theme. The smoke, though, in Southern Oregon, terrible. I have been traveling to Medford every single weekend from Eugene. It's about a two-and-a-half-hour drive, which is why I haven't really been able to do a lot of podcasting because I just don't have the time of day. But um, got a lot of new stuff set up. Uh, in my room, in my apartment studio in Eugene, Oregon. Super excited to get this thing rolling again. Football is my favorite thing to talk about, so we're going to have a football overloaded show to kick off Season 2. But yeah, back to the smoke. Man, Medford, Oregon is filled with smoke. The situations going on in Redding, California, and all over the Pacific Northwest with the fires, it's a terribly scary thing to see, and it's a sad thing to see when you grew up in the community. Um, I'm praying for everybody that's dealing with uh, losses of homes, uh, fear of losses of homes, people that are having to be ready to evacuate at any point. There are so many wildfires burning in the Pacific Northwest. It's a scary thing. Um, Eugene is now filling up with smoke today. It's really bad. It's just as bad as Medford today, which uh, Eugene was kind of my escape from the smoke so that I could actually breathe. But now that's not a thing. Um, but anyways, football's back, so we're going we're gonna to stay on a positive note here. Um, but prayers and thoughts to everybody out there dealing with the smoke. Stay indoors. Keep breathing. We're going to get through it. We're going to get to fall football season, which is where we can stand around and be cold together, sip on hot chocolate, 
smell the smell the beer and the hot dogs in the air. Autzen Stadium is going to sell uh, beer now for the first time. Um, so the most alive stadium on this side of the Mississippi is going to have beer going on, which is just going to make – what I worry about is the time when you're supposed to be quiet when the offense is on the field for the home crowd and they're supposed to be quiet. It's going to be 60,000 drunk old people. So that should be really fun. And the beer is going to make things exciting for Chip Kelly to return for UCLA. I'm sure there's going to be some lovely drunken things said about him. Uh, Herm Edwards will be in town this year. The The home schedule for the Oregon Ducks this year is absolutely incredible. And those of you that have listened to the show know that I usually talk about the Oregon Ducks right away just because that's the community that I am immersed in. Um, I live here, so people want to hear about that. So I'm going to talk about that right away. We're going to jump right into this stuff. It is Duck Country. Very fun segment. We're going to get right into it right now. They are calling it Oregon Football 2.0 all over social media. The season of redemption, if you will, for the Oregon Ducks football team after the Willie Taggart fallout, the catastrophic events that happened at the end of last season, which ended with Willie Taggart departing after only one season at the University of Oregon and the University of Oregon being blown out by Boise State in the Las Vegas Bowl while Royce Freeman watched from the sideline with no pads on. It was a horrible ending, a horrible aftertaste, if you will, to what seemed to be the beginning of an incredible generation of Oregon football. Things have changed. Since then, the Oregon Ducks put together a petition that Mario Cristobal, former Alabama man, be the new head coach, and he is, and he has kept up the recruiting uh, success, the incredible recruiting success uh, for the 2019 class. He was able to keep defensive coordinator Jim Levitt, who had drastic improvements with this defense last year, and now the future for Oregon starting to look a little bit better again. Um, the The new AP poll comes out. Oregon sits at 24. And I don't know if you guys have been seeing the videos or anything from this team for their camp, but as the kids say, this camp is lit. These guys are having a great time. They seem very hungry. They seem ready to get back uh, after what happened last year. And I got to tell you, speaking of Christmas at the beginning of this thing, if I could have any Christmas present, it would be an Oregon-Florida State bowl game. That would be the greatest thing of all time. We are unsure if Oregon will return what they call the swag surf. Mario Cristobal said that it will return a while back, but when asked about it recently, he just kind of pointed out some other people that you could ask the question to. So we'll see how it goes. Justin Herbert, if he is healthy, I think this team is ready to make a run at the Pac-12 again. Now, if he's not healthy, they are nowhere near ready to make a run at the Pac-12. I think it all hinges on Justin Herbert, to be honest. The defense has to improve more. They improved greatly last year, but they have to improve more if this team is going to be set up to make a run at Washington. Washington comes into the AP poll preseason at number six. But... Everything that Oregon is doing right now reminds you of what Oregon always does. The new uniforms came out a couple days ago, and Nike gave a shout-out to Mario Cristobal because, you know, with the uniforms, I should say, because Mario Cristobal is going to bring that speed, he's going to bring that tempo, he's going to bring the flashiness of what the Oregon offense is, but he is also bringing the size on the offensive line. 
where it all starts. I I believe that's where it all starts. He believes that's where it all starts is the size on the offensive line, the problems that Oregon have, has had in the last 10 years in bowl games is that they can't control the line of scrimmage. You know, they go forward on fourth down at the goal line. They get stuffed after three consecutive tries running before. Stanford can run it straight up the gut every time they play. Oregon can never stop it. It starts in the trenches, and that's what Mario Cristobal is bringing. Those boys are beefy down there now, and they're going to be for the 2019 class as well. So the, the new uniforms, if you haven't seen them, go go find them. Go check them out because it's actually kind of interesting. It has the Oregon flashiness of you know the, the winged helmets, the, the bright colors, different uniforms every week. But the number style is a shout-out to the bold offensive and defensive line and then the size that Mario Cristobal is putting together um, with this Oregon football team. The numbers are very bold. They're very plain. They have some reflective stuff in the middle, but the number style is nowhere near what we've seen with Oregon before, and it actually looks rather cool. My favorite one, there is one that is black and neon green, and I've heard some mixed reviews about it. But it reminds me of the uniforms that Oregon wore against uh, LSU for the season opener back in the day. Um, Oregon lost that game, and it was in a quote-unquote neutral site 200 miles away from LSU in Texas, half a country away from where the Ducks strong are. But I'm really excited for this Oregon football season. I'm actually going to be in attendance for the first two games, so I'll be able to bring... Uh, some cool video footage, some cool audio footage from the game. I'll be posting it on camderby.com. And I'll be breaking some of the the game down during the game. I hope to get some Facebook Lives up. Follow me on Facebook. Cam Derby has the floor, has a page just at Cam Derby has the floor. Look it up. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter for all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, those new, those new uniforms, this new head coach, this new coaching staff, these players are excited for it, and when Oregon is excited to play, that's when they're awesome. That's when they're innovative. Because in the past, this team has gotten very, in my opinion, selfish, very spoiled, uh, very complacent, and very content with how good they were. And in essence, they ended up losing a lot of games because they lost focus. And now they have an SEC coach here to bring that focus back. If I can say anything for Willie Taggart, uh, Willie Taggart brought a focus back that this team hasn't had in a long time. He brought discipline back. There were no problems in the public last year. This team has had problems in the public a lot in the past. However, I still think that the way Willie Taggart left was pretty questionable at best. But Oregon comes in at 24. <laughs> but let's talk about the other teams that are in the rankings for the preseason AP poll. Now, I got to tell you, preseason rankings mean absolutely nothing to me. I just mentioned Oregon was at 24 several times just for the context. I don't care about the preseason rankings. They mean absolutely nothing. They are the exact same every year. They're the exact same. It never changes. Alabama comes in at one. Whoever played them in the national championship generally comes in at two or three. No matter... Where Ohio State is in terms of coaching turmoil, recruiting turmoil, what they did last year, they always come in in the top 10. Stanford, USC, and UCLA, they always show up somewhere in the top 10 or in the top 25, no matter what they look like. They could be, they could pretty much be getting the death penalty and they would still show up somewhere in the top 25. Oregon 
It doesn't matter if they played in the national championship last year. They have a Heisman quarterback uh, returning, and they're they've had the top recruiting class for the previous four years. They would still come in at 24 no matter what. It's how it goes every single year. So the preseason rankings mean absolutely nothing to me. I think they're a joke. But we still pay attention to it. We still get angry about where our teams are because it's a pride and respect thing. As fans, as human beings, we get really prideful and we get really upset about where our team sits in the rankings. But Alabama came in at number one as usual. I'm not surprised. I think that they're probably the favorite to win the national championship still. You can't put them anywhere but one as long as Nick Saban is there. They have a quarterback that has never started a game, but the guy came in and led the team to a national championship after being down by 13 at halftime against Georgia. So, I mean, how upset can you really be that Alabama is number one? Um, Everything will change in three weeks. We'll see teams fall. We'll see teams bounce around. Personally, I don't really care about the the preseason rankings, or about the AP rankings, I should say, until about week four or five when we've seen a little bit of conference play, when we've, we've seen some teams actually play other difficult teams. So, I mean, Alabama usually plays Cushing on conference games. They win by 70. Oregon does the same thing. Other teams do essentially the same thing. We'll see a couple big games at the beginning that shift up the rankings a little bit, but... I really don't care about the rankings, but I got to mention them because, you know, that's a headline. The The preseason rankings came out. That's a big deal. Um, but I think things will stay the exact same for a couple of weeks. I don't think we're going to see much movement. Um, not nearly as many marquee matchups at the beginning of the season as normal. But college football is right around the corner, which is exciting enough in itself. It's just exciting. It's the best time of the year. And... I have never been more excited for, this is kind of off topic a little bit, but I have never been more excited for NFL, college football, and the NBA all in one year. I have been individually more excited than I am now for the NFL. I have been individually more excited than I am now for college football. Individually more excited than I am for NBA, but collectively I have never been this pumped to get all three of them going at the same time. I desperately want it to be October because I want college football, NFL, and NBA happening all at the same time. It is going to be just a wild time. I am so excited for it. I personally think we're probably going to see the same teams play in some championships. I think the Warriors are probably going to make it back. I don't necessarily... I'm not going to guarantee they're going to make it back. Everybody's freaking out about Cousins, but he's not going to play until halfway through the season anyways. Um, Probably going to see Alabama play in the national championship again. That quarterback is freaking good. We saw him look off a safety in a national championship game in a clutch moment like it was nothing, like he'd been starting the whole season. So we'll see how it goes. College football, though, right around the corner. I can't wait for some more content to break down. But I did want to touch on the rankings a little bit, how I feel about the rankings. You already know how I feel. They're useless, but what's not useless is the National Football League. The NFL, the preseason, is full-on underway, and we are seeing things that I personally didn't expect to see. Andrew Luck, 
I'm going to take back everything I said about Andrew Luck because that guy came out slinging right away. I said two months ago he couldn't pick up a football. Now all of a sudden he's just throwing it around. Andrew Luck, I still think is a tad bit overrated, but I mean he throws so many interceptions. He throws a lot of yards. He, throws, he completes a lot of passes, throws a lot of touchdowns, but he turns the ball over a lot. If you don't win the turnover game in the NFL, you just don't win games. So I think that he's personally a little bit overrated. Hasn't played in a couple years, but it was exciting to see the guy come out and just start slinging it around right away. Now, I'm going to get to a headline that I saw, or sorry, not a headline, but uh, stats that I saw ESPN share uh, this morning. I was at the gym, and I saw I saw this comparison of how Lamar Jackson and Robert Griffin are doing this preseason, as if this is even a question on who's going to make the team. It's not a question. So ESPN ran preseason stats. For both of them. Robert Griffin, 18 of 26, 177 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That's pretty good. Pretty decent. Now, the stat that ran side-by-side with it was Lamar Jackson, 18 of 43, 201 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. So ESPN failed to mention that Lamar Jackson has thrown for more yards than Robert Griffin. So Lamar Jackson and Robert Griffin have completed the same amount of passes this preseason. Lamar's thrown more, but they've completed more. And in those completions, Lamar Jackson has thrown for 201 yards. They did not say 201 yards. They just said 18 of 43, two touchdowns and one interception. They failed to mention the passing yards. They also failed to mention that Robert Griffin has played like five games in the last two years, three years. So... Also, they failed to mention that Lamar Jackson's the number one pick. He's the Ravens' first pick. This isn't even a question on if Lamar Jackson is going to make the team or not. He's going to make the team. How can you throw all your cards on the number one pick into a guy and not put him on the team? You can't bet on Robert Griffin. The reason you can't bet on Robert Griffin keeping up that kind of production is because you can't bet on him if he's going to play. You don't even know if he's going to be healthy for even a quarter of the season. Now, I don't have anything against Robert Griffin. I I don't think that he's a bad guy. I don't think any of that. I just think that he can't play. He never plays. I can't set my franchise up on a guy that will never play. Now, he's a, yeah, he's a good backup, but if it's coming down to Lamar Jackson or Robert Griffin, I'm sorry, if I'm the GM, we don't even need to waste our time with Robert Griffin. So the Cleveland Browns. I'm just going to say it just like that to start it off. You've you've heard me talk about this before. I think that the Cleveland Browns, I, I'm, I'm in on the Cleveland Browns. And what I mean by in on the Cleveland Browns is the Cleveland Browns are going to win six to seven games this year. I don't know if you saw the free agency moves these guys made. These guys picked up Javaris Landry, the reception leader in the NFL. Josh Gordon returns to practice. They pick up Carlos Hyde, who's been beasting and feasting. You look at some of the catches that Najoku's making. Tyrod Taylor comes over. And, you know, Tyrod Taylor took the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs. That's pretty impressive. So the Cleveland Browns. I am in on the Cleveland Browns for six to seven wins this year. I will walk my happy person right on down to Las Vegas and say six to seven wins for the Cleveland Browns. And if they have another good offseason, they will be ready to be a playoff contender next year. You look at the future of this division. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to lose Big Ben soon. There is a huge chance that Le'Veon Bell does not re-sign with the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
So all of a sudden, Pittsburgh Steelers offense ain't going anywhere. The Buffalo Bills are a joke. And in my opinion, the Cincinnati Bengals are a joke. And even if they do make it to the wild card, they'll lose anyways. So all of a sudden, the Cleveland Browns are the most talented roster in the division. And if they can get a coach right, all of a sudden the Cleveland Browns are division winners next year. Who knew? The reason I say 67 wins this year is because I don't trust their current head coach right now. Dude's won like one game in two years. But I do believe that they're going to be good next year. The, oh, the other reason that I don't, that I'm not on the Cleveland Browns train this year yet, like as far as playoff contenders, is because they're still the Cleveland Browns. Something horrible is still going to happen. Now, I know that sounds mean, but someone's going to get hurt. There's going to be some crazy couple games that they lose because some freak accident happens. It's still the Cleveland Browns. And it's still going to take another season or two to shake that luck off. But Josh, Josh Gordon just returned to practice, so you're going to have Jarvis Landry on one side, Josh Gordon on the other side, Najoku in the middle, Tyrod Taylor can take off running if he wants to, a healthy Carlos Hyde. You kidding me? That's an incredible offense, if you ask me. And I don't know if you've been watching their preseason games, but they move the ball pretty dang well. If they can just get their trash-talking in control and stop getting flags, they're going to move right down the field. Javaris Landry's calling out that they're going to have 50 bergs. He literally said they're, they're going to score 40, 50 points on teams. I don't know. I wouldn't go that far that they're that good, but you look at their division, I see them winning at least two against the Bengals and the Ravens, and then I I could see a week one upset against the Steelers just because just because they're playing at home and the crowd's going to be all hyped, and it's extremely hard to lose at home the first week. I mean, leave it to the Cleveland Browns, but if we're talking about legit potential wins, I think they could win week one. They'll lose against the Steelers on the road, but they at least split the Ravens and the Bengals, so that puts them at three wins. And then the rest of their schedule is is pretty difficult. That's another reason why I can't get on the train yet, but I could see that that talented offense, if their defense has a couple good days, I could see an extra three wins, but the rest of that schedule is pretty tough for them. So I, I just can't say that they're playoff contenders yet. But golly me, plus Hard Knocks is with them. Hard Knocks is with them right now, which I don't know if you've been watching, but it's actually been pretty darn good. I've actually really enjoyed Hard Knocks so far. Um, there was an odd situation with Corey Coleman where he was talking about how if they didn't want him to play, then they should just trade him, so they did. But come on, man. It's the preseason. That's what the preseason is for. It's for proving who's going to play and who's not going to play. If if they moved you to second string, go out and practice harder. Javaris Landry had a moment where he had to stand up and tell the receivers that if, if they weren't hurt, they needed to practice. And what I loved about this leadership moment for Javaris Landry was he said this is why the past has been the, the way the past has been in Cleveland. And it's not going to happen while he's there. I thought that was a huge leadership moment for Javaris Landry. So the Cleveland Browns, it's, it's going to be a great time. Plus, I think that team, if you've been watching Hard Knocks, you know that um, head coach Hugh lost his mother and his brother in a two-week time period, which is horrible. Condolences to him and his family. And I think the team is behind him for that. I think the team wants to play for him now. And... The Browns, for the first time ever, in my opinion, 
didn't do what ESPN said they should do, right? ESPN, whatever ESPN says usually, they, whoever they say that the Browns should pick is who they pick. They put all of their pressure on one guy, and then it folds. They did it to Johnny Manziel. They did it to Robert Griffin. Well, Robert Griffin got hurt. But literally every quarterback is a number one pick for the Browns, and then they get all this pressure on him. They get told they're the number one guy from the start. This year the Browns actually have a culture of competition in their camp. It, it, it hasn't happened in so long. Baker Mayfield is pushing Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor is pushing Baker Mayfield. And it's happening with the receivers. We saw it with Corey Coleman. Someone's got to go. There's too much talent on the offensive side now. They actually have to compete with one another. And that shows that the Cleveland Browns are different than they've been in years past. Which is why I can get on board with them possibly having a winning season this year. Not necessarily playoffs. But somewhere in that 6-7 to seven game range is a safe bet for the Cleveland Browns, in my personal opinion. ESPN ranked the best quarterback bargain among projected starters for the 2018 season. Not rookies, and not the best overall quarterback, but the best financial bargain compared to their performance, um, essentially. The list is actually pretty interesting, but I'm just jumping around at this point. Um, Russell Wilson came in at number one because... He was able to grab a Super Bowl for the team while they weren't paying him essentially any money. They, they signed him to a giant contract a couple years later, but he played on his rookie deal and was one of the least paid players in the league while he was uh, creating more than, than most of the players in the league. So Russell Wilson topped in at number one. The article did mention, which I agree with, that as these next couple seasons go by and the Seahawks probably don't perform as well as they did in those years and you're paying him way more, he will probably fall down behind the other quarterbacks that have been consistently great. I, I don't think Russell Wilson's performance is going to fall at all, but I think the team's performance is probably going to fall because that defense got gutted over free agency. The, the Seahawks were the biggest losers in free agency in the draft, in my opinion. With John Snyder and Pete Carroll have usually been the biggest winners they usually come up with but I mean the season hasn't started yet I look at the Seahawks right now like they were in 2012 they're very young and they're getting told that they suck by everybody so we'll see what happens I mean Pete Carroll and John Snyder always seem to take a low draft pick or undrafted guy and turn him into a superstar so we got to let the season play out before we decide all this stuff but I can see Russell Wilson falling behind the likes of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. I still think he's among the NFL elite. I think he's a top four um, on this list. But I don't know how you can... I mean, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Dak Prescott in at number two for the same reason um, that Russell Wilson is up there because Dak is currently playing on a rookie contract and he's essentially getting paid nothing compared to other quarterbacks. Um, and he is going to fall way down on this list when he gets paid a lot because he didn't do anything his second year. Cowboys didn't do anything his second year. They had an awesome first year, but Zeke Elliott and Dak both, nothing. Nothing that's that's meaningful anyways. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, 3-4. and four. I would have to flip these two. Tom Brady in front of Aaron Rodgers. I, I saw a really funny meme the other day that, that said it was, a, it was a Packers meme. It said... How about the last 20 years of having two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and having only two Super Bowls to show for it? Tom Brady, same time span. Look at all them Super Bowl rings, man. Look at all them Super Bowl rings. 
and he constantly takes pay cuts so that he can have other stars around him or whatever. They don't usually get like a mega superstar. He turns people into mega superstars, in my opinion. But Aaron Rodgers is about to get a mega payday. So I put Tom Brady right in front of Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers top four, no doubt about it. One of the greatest Packers we've ever seen, one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. The bad man, as Stephen A. Smith calls him. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady have to be, I, I, in my opinion, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are one and two. If you flip them, Tom Brady one, Aaron Rodgers two. Matt Ryan came in at five. Now here's where things get interesting. Jameis Winston at eight. Andrew Luck at nine. Are you kidding me? I know this is salary index stuff or whatever, and it's about bargains, but these two in the top ten is bogus. What has Jameis Winston done for you? I'm waiting. Jameis Winston has got you headlines for sexual assault, and that's about it. Blame it on the rest of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being bad if you want to. Jameis Winston has done jack nothing in Tampa Bay and does not deserve to be in the top 10. We are talking about bargains, which means you gotta perform still. Are you kidding me? Jameis Winston is at 8. Andrew Luck, who didn't play the last two years, essentially, is at 9? You get these two in the top 10? For how much you're paying them compared to what they're producing on the field? Oh my goodness, this is embarrassing. Ben Roethlisberger, by the way, came in at 15. Andrew Luck and Jameis Winston are ahead of Ben Roethlisberger on this list. This is a travesty. This is a joke. Jameis Winston and Andrew Luck have done nothing, especially compared to Ben Roethlisberger has won a Super Bowl been a consistent starter for 15 years this is a joke Eli Manning comes in at 31 and Mitchell Trubisky comes in dead last Eli Manning as much as I can't stand him guy has two Super Bowl rings and Mitchell Trubisky yeah sure that's dead last that's that's probably pretty accurate but are you kidding me this list is a, is a little bit um, skewed in my opinion, but that's just one guy's opinion. If you feel like Jameis Winston, does, I would love to hear these arguments. If you think that Jameis Winston, Buccaneer fan or not, should be in the top 10 of this list, or Andrew Luck, I would please love you to make your argument. Either comment on YouTube Send me a personal email. I would love to hear these arguments, and I would love to talk about it next week if anybody wants to make these arguments. Because I'll, I'll debate you on this one. This is absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion. It's outrageous. It's unreal. But that's just one guy. Other uh, notable things going on. Hey, yo, Richie Cognito. Richie Cognito, once again, has made headlines. Um but not for his awesome performance on the football field, according to an ESPN article that I'm reading this morning. Like I said, I'm just jumping around. Scottsdale Police Department in Arizona responded to a mortuary where Richie Incognito was making arrangements for his father's funeral. He grew upset and made threats to get guns and return to shoot the employees, apparent, uh, or according to the police. 
Now, this is kind of a touchy subject because it's regarding the, the death of a family member. So, I'm going to say it's sad, but it's disgraceful at the same time. I will not pretend to understand the pain that this man is feeling right now. My dad is still in my life. I will not pretend to know what all was said in this building between him and the employees. That being said, the times we are living in, mass shooting is not a joke at all. It should not be a threat. It should not be a joke. It should not be something that's acceptable to say when you are angry. It is shameful and disgraceful, disgraceful I should say, shameful and disgraceful and disgusting to make a comment that you are going to go and shoot a place up. We are living in a time where we experience a mass shooting almost every couple months. And this is just another case of Richie Incognito not being able to control his temper. Now, condolences to him and his family. Losing a father is probably one of the most difficult things that you go through in your entire life. But that doesn't make it acceptable to threaten to shoot people. Happy retirement, Victor Cruz. Former Giants receiver Victor Cruz has retired from football and will join ESPN as an analyst. What am I going to miss most about Victor? The salsa dance. That's what everybody's going to say. We're all going to miss the salsa dance. Are you kidding me? That's something that we all did. I mean, he's part of my generation now, love of players, so we used to do that on the football field in middle school. We score a touchdown, we do the Victor Cruz salsa. I'm going to miss that for sure. Victor Cruz was a great player. Um, actually really excited to hear his uh, commentary and stuff on ESPN. I always love hearing the insight of players because they're they're closer to the game than any of us are. They experience it. They understand it. They know all about it. So I'm always happy when a player joins the desk and I can get that extra little bit of commentary in there. It's season two. What kind of human being, what kind of podcast host would I be? If we didn't play the funnest game that we played all season one, watch your mouth isn't going anywhere. We are going to play it all year long. Now, I'm going to re-explain it for everybody because it's a new season and it's been a while since I've been on here. So I do not take credit for this game. This game I learned at KWVA 88.1 FM, the on-campus radio station at the University of Oregon. A guy by the name of Chris Clayton started it. Uh, he was the sports director at the time. He is a very good friend of mine. But anyways, the way that this game works is I'm going to take audio files from different um, community people, uh, head coaches, uh, political leaders, whoever I decide to do each week, and I take their audio files and I put unnecessary bleep censorships into what they're saying. So it sounds like they're cursing, but they are definitely not cursing. It is hilarious if you can fit the bleeps in, in the right way. And that is why I play the game. I, I try and come up with the most creative ones that I can throughout the week. If you have an idea for somebody, email it to me. Comment on YouTube. Send me ideas. If you send me ideas, I will definitely look up those people. And I will find ways to make them sound like they have just been going on a cursing rant. Um, So <laughs> let's get right into it. Let's play Watch Your Mouth. I'm super excited for this. Uh, I've been waiting to play this one for a while, so we're going to do it right now. It's Watch Your Mouth. We're starting out with Herm Edwards. I did. We tried to really, you know, some for the first defense. Um, and for the other guys, it was more thud. Uh, we just wanted to get 
get more crisp at tackling. And I think that's, you know, the thing about college football is a little bit different than pro football. In pro football, when you go to training camp, you don't tackle. This is enough to lie to have preseason games. We don't have any games in college football. Maybe that's why they got 120 guys or 110 guys running around. They're supposed to beat those guys up. But I just think there's a, there's a way you go about doing it because is always my number one concern, players. You know, I'm, I'm a former player and uh, never want to put players in harm's way. Uh, you want to make sure they talk properly before we even get into and We've done a lot of that during the spring. We've done a lot of it thus far, so it was good to, to let them do this tonight, figure out where we're at, and now we got to make some decisions. Herm Edwards, calm down. Things are different in college football. You can't just go ranting with curse words like that. I mean, they're just starting to sell beer in the stadiums. How are you going to stand here and just drop bombs after bombs on people? I mean, they're kids, man. They're kids. you got to watch your mouth a little bit. I don't know if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, Tom Brady got really upset during a press conference and left after a question about his personal trainer, Julian Edelman, and steroids. Um, <laughs> he got a little bit upset, but people don't realize that the tensions were growing in that press conference way, way before that question was even asked. Yeah. Um, I haven't talked to him about that much. I mean, it's just, for all of us, we're just at a certain point and you're building to try to be the best you could be for this season. And everyone's gonna have a different situation and different You know, whether you're not out there for one reason or another, I mean, we've just had to adapt and adjust and try to do the best we can. And the more good players we have out there, the better it is, the more productive it is for all of us. And, um, you know, everyone's working on something different, so. Everyone's got a little different situation, a little different and you know how we adapt to those situations will determine you know how well we do. Tom, when Julian tested positive, a lot of people connected it to Alex Guerrero. What's your reaction to that? Do you think it's fair? I have no comment. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Tom, I'm out. See you guys. Former Cleveland Browns receiver Corey Coleman has a weird hobby. Closet. I started in the closet. So all my. Pretty much color coordinated. Got the threes right here. These are really, these are one of my favorite. I love. Do not group in the house with women. My sisters, come on, Corey. Girls are not gonna like you. Dirty. That's a big, big. And that really just started me to love. So the older I got, I start buying them. Start buying them. Some of them I don't wear because I'm too scared to get them dirty. You know I'm blessed. With all these that kind of just makes me uncomfortable, so I think we're going to leave it at that. I think we're just going to leave it at Corey Coleman, um, and we'll do more next week, I guess. Maybe next week won't be weird like that. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to episode one. I think I'm going to wrap it up there. It was incredible doing season two. I'm so excited uh, to get this rolling again, get you an episode up at least uh, once every two weeks, depending on... Um, how the internship goes depending on how busy I get during the week because school will start again but football season is my favorite thing it's my, it's the best thing to talk about so I will certainly be on here a lot more for season two we'll get a lot more episodes up uh, I'm able to record these things a lot easier now that I have this studio set up the way that it needs to be I do um, hope to get a video camera going soon hopefully a, a cheaper quality camera so that I can get some video footage up for you guys um, don't forget, you can uh, listen to the podcast on YouTube. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it at camderby.com. You can listen to it on SoundCloud. You can find it on Facebook. You can find it on my Twitter. There are lots of places that you can find it. Share it. Thank you so much for an incredible episode. 
Uh, please keep listening. Please keep supporting my career. I appreciate it more than anybody understands. But uh, it kind of sucks that Corey Coleman left us on a on a weird note there. I think that the Cleveland Browns found out about that, and that's probably the reason why he actually got traded. They just didn't really want that around the locker room. That's not really a thing that you can build a franchise on. <laughs> well, anyways, have a good day, everybody. Remember, you guys know the rules. If you remember from last year, we, we live by one rule. We should be living by one rule. That's uh, Jackie Moon's ELE. Everybody love everybody. Everybody love everybody while you're out throughout the week. Treat each other with respect. Everybody Treat each other nicely. Everybody. everybody love everybody. And Cam Derby has the floor is now over. I will see you guys next week. For the last 40 minutes or so, I have had the floor. But for the rest of the week, you guys have the floor. Thank you for listening to Cam Derby Has the Floor Season 2. You can catch all of the episodes on Spotify as well as at camderby.com. You can follow Cam on Twitter at camderbysc. All of the shows will be archived at camderby.com where you can locate them at any time. You may also email cam at camderbysc at gmail.com.